For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, as always, Shane Told, as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers about what it's like to do that damn thing. Oh my God, today, big, big episode, big guest, long-awaited guest. We've been trying to put this together for a little while. There were some rescheduling, some cancellations, and after talking to Mr. Ryan Key, that's the man this week, I totally understand. This guy is a busy, busy man. So much going on. This is a great, great episode. And I got to be honest, I tried to hook this up a couple years ago, back when Yellow Card was doing you know, their farewell tour, and I was met with a big denial. I was told it wasn't happening, Yellow Card wasn't doing press, so I kind of laid this whole idea to rest, and I didn't think this was going to happen, and I am so glad it finally did, because this episode is awesome. Before we get into that, in a few short minutes, some things I want to remind you of. The first one is, you can always get in touch with me anytime. You can email me, that's probably the easiest way, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. You can add me on social media, it's at Shane Told, or the show at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N, on Twitter, or at leadsingersyndrome on Instagram. Make sure you check out Facebook, too. Still a thing, believe it or not. Facebook still exists. Yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy. So yeah, check it out, like the page, do all that stuff. Uh, If you don't like the show, you know what? We got an option for you, too. You can call the hate line. You can call, leave me a message of hate. It is 1-657-666-H-A-T-E. 
yeah, give me a call, leave a message. I'll roll out a clip on the show from time to time. So, hey, you never know. You could even be on the show if you make it good and funny. Yes. So call the hate line or send me an email, whatever you want. I do try to get back to everyone, but I do always read everything that I get sent or tagged in or whatever. Thanks to everybody who hit me up in the last week. A lot of conversation about Ben from Armor for Sleep and having him come, you know, virtually back from the dead to be on the show. It was such a great episode. If you missed that one, go back, check it out. We got like another 175 episodes you can check out as well. And if you've listened to them all, we have an option for you. And it's called the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Sometimes I do podcasts with non-lead singers. And uh, if you want to listen to them, you just got to join the club. And it's not that much money per month, as little as $6 a month. And that is, you know, what helps keep this thing going, what helps keep this thing free, enabling me to have guests like Ryan from Freaking Yellow Card this week. Yes, So if you're a member of the All Access Club and you know who you are, and I know who you are, thank you very much for allowing me to do this stuff and put this out to the rest of the people for free. Those freeloaders. Don't worry. This show will always be free. That is not an issue, but I do appreciate all the love that I get with the All Access Club. And the members get cool shit. You get a welcome letter from me. You get patches shipped to your house. Question and answer sessions with me. And access to an amazing community of like-minded people, and you are going to make some friends. So, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. I just ask that you check it out, because it really is the reason that I'm able to do this thing and bring you episodes like this one. So, thank you very much. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. What's up with me, you ask? Well... Right now, I'm just hanging in my backyard. You can probably hear the birds chirping. It is a beautiful June day in Canada, and I'm gearing up to go on tour with my band Silverstein alongside August Burns Red, some of my best friends in the world. I am so excited for this. We also got Silent Planet on the run. Garrett, he's trying to make a run for my job or something. No, I think he wants to come up and hang on stage with a little smile in your sleep. Garrett, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. Uh, Let's make this happen, boy. Yeah, let's do this shit. So yes, tickets available for that tour now, wherever people buy tickets these days. Check it out. ABR, Silverstein, and Silent Planet all across America and Canada. It is going to be awesome. And in a couple weeks, there's going to be some more big Silverstein news, which I'm super excited about. And I will let you know on the podcast, of course, just like I always do. Well, enough about that. Enough about me. Let's get into this week's episode and my conversation with William Ryan Key. Hey, dude. Hey, man. What's up? Oh, uh, nothing, man. Just uh, just swimming in it. I'm so busy, <laughs> I can't see straight, dude. Oh, uh, well, that's sometimes a good thing. I don't know. Mm. 
I appreciate I mean, you t- I appreciate you taking the time, you know, out of your busy yeah. schedule to uh, you know, shoot the shit with me. Yeah, dude, sorry it's taking so long to get it going. No, it's it's good, you know. I think these things happen for a reason, you know? I think like every time that happens with a, you know, another guest or something, somebody can't do it or somebody forgets or whatever happens, it's like every time it gets rescheduled, I'm like, this is better. There's just more shit to talk about now. That's true. I've, I've certainly uh, been, been through a, a bit of a gauntlet since we were supposed to do this originally. So. Right. Well, talk to me about the gauntlet. Uh, I, um, I remember when I think of gauntlet, gauntlet that word, um, yeah. I think of that Nintendo game that was in like the black cartridge. Do you remember that game? No. Okay. It well, was like, there was like these random Nintendo games, like RBI Baseball was another one that had like a, it was like a black cartridge. Yeah. Instead of the gray yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. And it was I remember, like one of those I remember games. the different color cartridges, but I don't remember a, the Gauntlet game. Oh, the game was so sick. Yeah, it was right. Dude, I had, I had an, like, uh, I was a lucky kid and I had a Nintendo, uh, like, when they first came out. Oh, yeah. 80, yeah. 80, whatever that was. Yeah. And, and, like, I enjoyed it for sure, but I was such a, like, uh, imaginative, like, outdoor kind of, like, like, world building in my mind playing kind of kid. I didn't. So, like, I would use it, but my parents were never like, okay, time to get off the Nintendo. You know right. what I mean? Like, I I was never, like, addicted to it at all. No, I, would, I, I, would, I, I Yeah. I, I had one pretty early, too. I remember my sister and I, like, we, I, I mean, my sister's seven years older than me, so she did most of the financing of it, but we had to, like, right. buy it ourselves, you know? And right. um, and we, we got it pretty early on, too. We didn't have, like, I remember that came up with, like, the fucking robot that was like the crazy thing. You played like that gyromite game with like the robot that you plugged into yeah. the. That was so weird, but but I, I agree with you, man. Like I was more excited to go outside and play road hockey and and like yeah. baseball and shit with my friends than like in nowadays. Like it's crazy. Kids spend like hours and hours and hours playing. Huh. Dude, I can't it, imagine. It wasn't like, like that. I, yeah, no. Like I, I'm not in the arena of parenting. Uh, and I don't have any plans to be, Me but neither. like, I cannot imagine that part of it, dude. Like trying to curtail the digital influence on your kids. I cannot imagine what, how, I mean, I don't know. I don't even really talk to my friends about it because I don't want to get into an argument. You know what I mean? I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to try to be like, well, this is my opinion about kids and, and the digital age, and then and be like, but I also have no frame of reference because no, you are raising no. you are raising human beings, and I am not. So I try not to bring it up. But between another uh, another person that doesn't have any, yeah. I guess I can talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. I can't imagine it. Dude. No, the, the closest thing I have is I have three nephews. But they're yeah. all way more down with playing outside and stuff too. Like they're not. Yeah. Like sure they have like like my one nephew got like an iPhone and he it's so cute when he like FaceTimes me and stuff. But um you know like they're way more excited to go outside and skateboard and like they have these little ramps that they they take their scooters off and stuff like just the same kind of shit I would do when I was a kid. So yeah yeah I, I don't think I don't think it's hopeless for the youth of today. I don't know. I don't think it's hopeless either. And I, and I don't think the gaming systems actually are, which is what started the conversation here. Right, but right. I, I, that's not really necessarily even what would freak me out as a parent. I, I think the phones and stuff is more, that's more of just like, yeah. uh, you're just, your kid is just unleashed, dude, when they're not with you. You know, it's crazy to me. Totally. But yeah. Anyways, uh, the gauntlet. The gauntlet. Um, yes. So I, so I put out these two EPs last year, uh, yeah. you know, under my full name and, Decided to take a stab at doing a, you know, solo artist career, whatever yeah. you call that. Yeah. Uh, 
there's no less pretentious way to say it than that's solo what it artist. is man yeah that's what it is so yeah so i i put out these two eps and i had a couple of uh incredible tours last year that really set me up for this year i am in a great way i got to go out with with newfound glory and, and yeah. parade yeah on separate occasions and i'll try to keep keep it brief on that it's that like so incredible that i got the opportunity to play with it on those tours in front of that many people yeah right out of the gates i mean you know what i mean like a no just starting first tour two thousand people a night you know yeah so that was amazing uh but if you've listened to the eps you know you can hear that i am with my own music trying to sort of get away from those types of tours and absolutely sure you know the the pop rock stuff and the you know i'm definitely going in a different direction so it was amazing to get to, to play on those tours, um, and I think it really set me up to go out on my own this year, which I which is what I'm getting to the gauntlet. <laughs> um, yeah. But but uh, it, it was you know it, it's something that like I, I did those tours and I got to you know attract people to the new music I'm making. Folks definitely realizing the, along the way like man, if I'm gonna do this, like I really have to try to get on some other some tours that are more in the vein of like the singer songwriter post rock kind of stuff I'm trying to do. Um, to like really connect with, with people who are not waiting for the punk rock show to start, which is totally right. understandable on those right. tours, you know? Um, so anyway, so this year after May Day Parade, I had the holidays off and, and, um, and Miss Wildlife and I were going to co-headline in Europe, UK. Uh, so that's really the beginning of this journey that I've been on this year, which when I finish with this, I hope you're not exhausted from listening <laughs> to it. But so like mid January, I left for Russia, uh, yeah. I did two shows in Russia on my own before meeting up with this wildlife and we did a full um, full Europe and, and UK uh, run which went until uh, the very like February 10th or something like that I got home had I believe eight days off um, and uh, and then left for uh, this this US headline tour of mine um, so two weeks maybe a week and a half home and then and then i was right back out in, in the states and you know doing this touring like this uh is like you know i'm i'm back to back to basics man it's like i'm driving the van like yeah. I, I pulled you know i pulled yeah. fifteen thousand miles twice this you know in the last year uh in the van and uh, you know it's like i i'm fully transparent in saying that like i'm it it's you know going from yellow card for almost 20 years on a tour bus with a full crew back yeah. to the van and driving and humping the gear every day it's tough man and like right you know i i'm i'm fully aware of kind of like um how inadequate i i might have been <laughs> trying to do that at the beginning because i would just it had been 15 years since i'd done it and i yeah. am a spoiled i'm a spoiled brat from yeah. my band game being as successful well, as it was so dude, lead singer syndrome that's this is what we talk exactly. about exactly <laughs> the name of your show is what i've been through um but I, uh, you know, it's been, but it was, dude, it was great. The grind was so good, man. It was, it was really humbling and, uh, really, you know, kept me focused, uh, like hyper focused on, on the job. Um, yeah. because I just was so responsible for every aspect of it. And right. I, I mean, I had some other dudes, some really, really good friends of mine playing in the band with me on the road with me and, and my a really good friend of mine that's been my guitar tech since like 2011. Um, I'm still able to somehow keep dragging him along with me and he like <laughs> is, you know, just saves my life out there. He's the best. And so I have a great team of people around me and that made it awesome. But there, you know, there were days for sure where it was just like, man, I don't know, dude, I'm not 25. Yeah. I don't know if I can, I don't know if my, I can withstand, you know, the, the, this grind, you know, uh, totally. but then, you know, you get, 
you get through it and that the tour ends, you're like, you did it. And that's like a milestone, you know? But Of course. And, and like, because it's new music and it's your music, you know, and it's what you wanted to do and you don't have to worry about anyone else in your band or, or opinions like this is you 100%. It's under your full name. Um, there's a certain sort of excitement that goes into it, which is why you're, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll like drive a van for for eight hours like straight yeah. and I'll take a flight yeah. to Russia and whatever. Like I'll do all this stuff just because I'm so excited about this new music I'm making. So it's for almost sure. like you're going back to when you were, I mean, not even 25, when you were like more like, you know, 20. 20. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and some of the shows, you know, the, the shows that did really well. Uh, I mean, obviously there were a few beaters. I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> anyone to show up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Right. Um, but, but the New York show and the Philly show and the Boston show and the, uh, Orange County show and the LA show, you know, the ones that really, um, were, were successful shows for me. Like they felt like that. I felt like those shows back in the early two thousands when, when we first, uh, you know, yellow card first started selling out shows or like, or packing rooms, right. whether it was sold out or not, whatever. But like, just, just the feeling of the energy in the room of everybody kind of being there, feeling like they were a part of something new and no idea what to expect. I mean, you know, you had, a, I think the majority of people coming to the shows had listened to the EPs and, and knew they were coming to listen to my new music, but you certainly had spillover of people that were coming and not knowing and having any idea what they were walking into, but, totally. but were still there to support, you know? And so the energy in the room was really cool every night and, and we got through it and it was awesome. It was hard. It was really hard work, but it was, it was really worth it. And, um, and I, no sleep. I, the last show was April 2nd. I got on a plane to Japan <laughs> on April 3rd. Uh, the next day, I literally flew out. I slept in my own bed one time on April 2nd, and I left the next day to go to Japan. Um, so I got an offer last year to produce a record for a band in Japan. Oh, wow. um, and we were, yeah, we're not like releasing who the band and stuff. They, they yeah, have a plan yeah. to roll out, so I can't say who it is. But, um, but it's a, it's, they're a great band. They're like super pop punk band, um, in, in Japan. And, and so they brought me in to produce the album, but I got to do it in Japan. So I left for Japan the day after the tour ended. I was in Japan for 30 days. Wow. Uh, and then I had, the, the plan was, you know, go home after that. I had, um, or, or sorry, go, I was going to LA, uh, to play. I've been also playing guitar for newfound glory. Yeah. Everyone doesn't yep. know that. Yep. Uh, I started doing that last year on there on the sick tour and that's still a thing that they're interested in having me do. So, uh, cool. I'm enjoying it and, and, and it's, it's been an awesome, awesome, like super fun outlet for me to yeah. like ha- hang with my friends, but also like still play, you know, rock, like full blown rock music and bang my head on stage. And that's been really killer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. anyways, we had some shows booked in LA. So I was coming back from Japan to play those shows in LA uh, with newfound for their new record release and then going home. Well, we didn't finish the album in Japan. Oh. Uh, we, we needed like a few more days to go. So the label paid for me to come all the way back. So I flew from Japan to LA <laughs> oh God, for five days. Yeah. Japan to LA for five days. And then, uh, while I was in LA and offered to play this college show in Chicago and, uh, and it was just, it was like, there's no, I have to go play that show. I don't know how they're affording this. I had to take it. So, <laughs> uh, so I had to go back to Japan for like two and a half days, working until like two in the morning, finishing the album, turn around, left the airport that did right from the set of the music video and flew to Chicago. From oh my Japan. God. <laughs> I, I wake up the next morning, get a rental car. I drive three hours to this college, play the show, sleep. And now I'm, here I am in Nashville. Oh kind my of God. relaxing. 
I've got so much on my plate. Getting ready for Newfound Glory. We're leaving next week for like the full summer. Wow. I'm selling my house here in Nashville. So I'm dealing with packing that up and all yeah. that crap. Just nonstop, dude. Nonstop. Dude, that is wild. And <laughs> what a story. I mean, I guess that's just that's just the way it is these days for you. I mean, I think I'm more. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm more busy. Uh, you know, I've got more going on and I'm more all over the place and just constantly moving than I ever was even in, in yellow card with the exception of maybe, maybe the ocean Avenue cycle, which obviously was a mental shit show for all, you know, it was just crazy, but that was like 19 months on the road, no break. That was insane. But other than that, I don't, I don't, I think this is the most activity I've had going on professionally in my, in my entire life. And, and I'm really grateful for that. And you're enjoying it, hopefully. Oh, I'm loving it, man. Or, or I mean, like it's like it's like you don't even have time to real really realize if you're enjoying it or not, right? It's just like well, I gotta I, do yeah, this thing. I mean, sure, and and like I said, tra- full transparency. Yeah, there's a lot of days where I it sucks, but and I remind myself that I'm not sitting in a cubicle and I'm still making music and I'm you know yeah. all the all the all the cliche things you can say about reminding yourself how lucky you are. They're real, and I do, and I and I really try uh, at this point in my life, in this phase of my life, to. to be very mindful of that, you know, when, when the grind starts to kind of wear on me to so yeah. just remember what I'm doing and why I'm doing it for, you know, the reasons I'm doing it and, and, and know that there, there's reward at the end of it. And, and yeah. to me, it's like, I'm, there was sort of, sort of a personal challenge for me when yellow card ended of, I, I wallowed for a while, which I think is only natural, kind of like, you know, bathing in self pity for a, a bit of, of like, what am I going to do with my life? And, but once that sort of started to wear off, um, I kind of feel, I feel like there's this like personal challenge for me to, you know, maintain a level of success that, that feels right to me. And that feels like, you know, the lifestyle I want to live and the career I want to have. And, and so it's like making these sacrifices to, to just really grind it out to me. It's like, um, it's, it's very meaningful because the more opportunities I keep getting and the more things that keep happening, are like okay and i don't mean this to slight yellow card in any way but it's like and, and i know that yellow card is the reason i get so many of these opportunities because course, it set sure. me up for, sure. for this point but but there's also sort of this feeling of okay i don't need yellow card anymore and that is a huge relief to me you know yeah. um because the more and the more on my own two feet i, I get and, and like the more independent from yellow card i get um, the more rewarding all, all of this feels, whether it's going to produce an album in Japan or, you know, or t- touring on, on my, my solo stuff and, you know, looking ahead this year to making like late this year, or early next year, maybe, but, but to making a full length album of my own. And yeah. I, I think that that distance from yellow card is, um, again, not to spin any negative, you know, vibes towards yellow card no. at all, but it's, it's really healthy for me to, to be independent of it. Absolutely. And that's, that's awesome, man. And with yellow card and, and the whole demise of it, I remember it was a couple of years ago, I guess. Uh, right. It's been just over two yeah, years our, since you played your last show. Last, yeah. Last show was March yeah. 25th of 17. Exactly. And I think I was trying to get you on the show around that time. And what I kind of gathered from what your publicist, your manager, whoever, um, yep. was that you didn't want to do kind of any press. You kind of wanted nope, to just didn't. put out your yep. put out your statement of we're doing the last tour and roll yep. it out exactly how you wanted to roll it out and play the songs and say, okay, thank you very much and call it, there it is, a 20-year career, which I, yep. I had a lot of respect for. Um, 
And yeah. now you, you seem like now you're so open with talking about just about anything. Um, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about just kind of what, what was going on at that time, like how the band just decided to fold because clearly you weren't done. I mean, yeah, like no, a lot of times bands, bands fold, sorry to keep, keep asking a lot of bands fold because somebody in the band is just over it. Like they, they got kids, they don't want to tour, whatever, or you guys don't get along. Um, but clearly you don't have kids. You're working harder than ever. So it wasn't you. Well, I still, unfortunately, um, can't uh, nor do I, I i don't i don't need to like really just disclose all that it's, no, it's like no. I, I, so much so much of what you what you said in the first part of the question or you know yeah. uh, talking about the way we handled the press the, or, or, it, it, that was sort of uh an in perpetuity uh like mindset towards press and stuff about it because it, all i will say is that in the end we all we agreed we we agreed and we came up with a plan that worked for everyone you awesome. know and that's that's the best i can kind of do with it i i i think i'm i think i can say and, and i think people know you know that it was it took a while for me to come around to the idea of it um but looking back on it all and the way we did it and the the final tour especially um i'm convinced we did the right thing you know and I'll be the first to tell you that I, I, I wasn't the one that stood up and had the idea, but, uh, you know, getting on board and, and moving forward with it. Um, that tour was like one of the most special things, you know, of my whole life and, and of the whole career of the band. So yeah. I, I think I, th- and I, and I, and, and we really, you know, we really are like done. And so like this idea of all the bands that come back five years later for reunion or right. this or that, you know, people say, Oh, someone's going to offer them enough money to play a thing or what. I, I promise that's not going to happen. And <laughs> so that made the, the tour like that much more important and meaningful. Um, and I think all of fan, all the fans that were there, especially, I mean, dude, that last show, the one in Anaheim, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, everyone that got to be a part of that left with like a moment just frozen. Right. But were there inner band, like politics, all those things that went in, but in the end it was a team effort and a team decision. Um, and, and hashed out and all worked out and talked through um that's how we got to a mental place of all right we're doing this let's do it if we're gonna do it let's do it right right absolutely i gotta ask you so you're the last show in anaheim you've got this whole i mean maybe you had idea in your head that you were gonna do this solo career that you were gonna do all the stuff you've been doing i didn't i I swear all my idea like that was not my plan at all. Wow. Back then. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. then, then, then this question's even more important. When you play Ocean Avenue, which I think is the last, the last song at the last show, and that's yeah. done, are you just fucking terrified? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. I, I, I went backstage and immediately found, like, the most secluded place I could to just completely melt down. I <sighs> got that out. You know, it was, it was crazy, dude. Everyone, everyone was just sobbing everywhere you looked. It was... Uh, it was it was wild, but um, yeah, I didn't take long after that for a, a genuine sense of fear to set in for sure. I mean, it was yeah. like you know those those following weeks and months was like I thought I was going to be producing records. That was really where I'd focus my energy, uh, you know. Um, and that just uh, not not I don't know if it wasn't panning out or if I wasn't putting enough energy into it. I don't know which one it was. Right. I just I just really discovered that that. Clearly, I haven't lost my hustle. I just discovered <laughs> that wasn't the hustle I wanted, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
like like being a, the produce go, going to shows every night and meeting the bands and wanting to work on those records and and you know dude you're in you're in the business you know what recording budgets are like in 2019 you know <laughs> yeah. and 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 i'm not like a veteran established producer that's going to get a rate you know a rate that is going to make it where eight weeks of, of work because i i'm engineering it all myself i'm i'm mix prepping it all myself i'm doing all you know i'm not hiring someone to do that stuff for me so it's like yep. eight weeks of work at that at that point i mean when when i say you know i'm not i'm not in a cubicle i'm not I'm not a barista. I get still get to do all this stuff. Like, yes, it's really fun to make those records, but but honest to God, like eight weeks of work or ten weeks of work or whatever on a, on a budget that from an independent label yeah. um, in in 2019 2020, it's like I would make the same living being a barista doing that. You know what I mean? Sure, um, of course you would. It's it's pretty wild. So so that was a little disheartening as well. It was like if I had started doing this 15 years ago and had built up a catalog of albums and records and. Yep. You know, I would be in a place now that, that, that this would be full steam ahead. But but what's the more viable option for me to continue to a do what I love and make records, but also make a living that I that I want to let you know make and um, and that just led into this making that first EP and taking that that risk. It was like well, I'm going to take a risk anyways, you know. But this one, like if I put this out, you know, it's a it's it could be a potentially profitable thing. Yeah. I get to go play shows. It, it re, there's a real lot of upside. Um, and I feel like I, I, I you know, I, conv- I, I was, I realize now that I just really was not done creating, you know, no, I wasn't done right. making music. And so like, I think I'm, I'm happiest when I'm making and producing my own stuff more than I am when I'm doing it for other people. And that just became clear over that like year period or two year period. after Absolutely. Yellow Park. One thing about your first EP that I thought was really interesting was the way you play guitar on it because it's all it's all if not it's 100% if not like you know at least 80% like finger style you know finger picking yeah. style guitar which i mean did yeah. yellow card have anything like that um, um completely different on, uh- we had a couple, a couple. And we had a B side yeah. a long time ago called "When We're Old Men." That right. was a finger style guitar on a, on a class like a nylon guitar. Yeah, right. and um, yeah. and then we had a song on the final album called um, um, "Wrecking Ball." Or is it "I'm a Wrecking Ball"? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the song, but it's the same. Yeah, it's it's got that like finger style kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the first EP is. Oh, what is that beeping? Uh, construction. Oh, that's awful. That's okay. <laughs> um, it's killing me. Yeah, so much, so much for the uh, AirPod canceling the background I noise know, thing. Huh? I know it's brutal sometimes on those. Uh, um, um, so I, I uh, what was I saying? Just about um, the finger style oh, yeah. picking. Yeah, guitar. Um, yeah, so the first EP is literally there. There's not a guitar pick on that record. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that you know that's uh, it's natural like for me to play that way I, when I'm sitting with an acoustic guitar. That's how I play it, you know. And and so it's just cool. Um, I'm I'm like all the influences on this stuff, you know, from Elliot Smith to Radiohead to explosions in the sky, yeah. to Coldplay to, um, Mogwai to, you know, just, just, and even then some of the more kind of like alt country, um, like, like folk indie folk stuff like Jason Isbell and, and those types of dudes. It's like, that stuff really inspires me. And it's yeah. stuff that I couldn't fully flush out on a yellow card album, you know? So, the second I had the opportunity to do it, it clearly, it was just like flooding out, you know? No, I, I love it. I just, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It, it must've been challenging. I mean, you've been playing guitar on stage the same way for so long, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, you got to rethink when you get up there on stage, 
oh, I, I got a finger pick and sing and at the same time, yeah. that's not easy. Yeah, it's been it's been a learning process for sure, and a lot of a lot of rehearsal for me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but a lot of the songs too, if, if you if you listen to them back, like in in the style um, that they're written, you know, um, a lot of the melodies and stuff sort of follow the guitar lines, um, you know. And I think that's sort of genre specific. If you're if you're writing this kind of acoustic, like like I said, like indie folk kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so when I'm, when I'm writing it, like a big part of writing these songs, honestly, man, is I'll write the ri- a riff or something on the acoustic that I love, but then figuring out, okay, well, what, how am I going to be able to sing and play that at the same time? So <laughs> in yellow card, for example, we demo everything up and then the songs are like fully flushed out musically and I'll write all the music and melody over the top of them. Um, because if there's anything I can't play while I'm singing, I just had Mendez. Yeah, uh, sure. Ryan Mendez, our guitarist, would play of course, it, you know? yeah. Whereas now, I, it's not an option, so it's a different writing style for me, too, where I'm kind of back to the old-school style of writing for myself, where I, um, I, I'm writing lyric, melody, and guitar, because I have to ensure that I'm going to be able to play and sing it, if that makes Absolutely. sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. I, I know, you know, you talk about all these influences that you have that... I mean, they're later in life influences, right? Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, well, and, some some of them are. Some, yeah, some of them are. Oh, of course, yeah. But but the the funny thing about that about us, and I think we're almost the same age. I think you're a little bit older than me. Um, is we come from a, a huge influence in like skate punk, mm-hmm. and I bring this up partly because uh, Happy Lagwagon Day, by the way. Yes, uh, and and to you. Yes, I've gotten many uh, text messages. <laughs> yes, May sixteenth. Um, Joey Capes have been on the show before. We talked uh, all about uh, about May sixteenth and all that. I know Lagwagon is a huge influence of yours. Um, yeah. Growing up in Florida, and um, I know that you actually took the plunge and you left Florida to join Craig's brother, which is I was a huge fan of Craig's brother uh, back in the day as well. Um, yeah, they were like a sneaky little tooth and nail band with a ripping record like so good such a so good, good band uh so i just want to talk i know this is very far removed from what you know um you do now but i want to talk about that influence and just how punk rock kind of became ingrained in you and how that style of punk rock you know was what yellow card did originally a lot of people don't really know yeah, yeah. that before you know the major label and stuff you guys were doing the like double time you know punk rock stuff yeah um well there's two double time songs on ocean Avenue. Right. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. So I, but it's an interesting story. Actually. I, that style of music was not my first. It was, I grew up super pop influenced kid. I, I, I got my music from MTV and the radio. My parents didn't really put a lot of music, um, in, in my life as far as like, they weren't those parents that were just like ripping Beatles and Zeppelin records as a right. kid, you know? So, so I found it on my own. And, uh, so I was all very influenced by whatever was happening at the time. Um, and I would go through those cycles of, of records, just buying the records because it was on MTV, you know. Um, and then, so, so, and then Nirvana appeared and changed my life, as it did so many other kids. I was 11 years old when Nevermind came out, so it was like that got me my first guitar. That made me realize yeah. like there there was more to the to music than than backup dancers and MTV, you know. It just it, 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 and which is ironic because I found Nirvana on MTV, but of course, still, yeah, I know. Um, it was just so jarring, you know, so so alarming to see and hear and. It felt like it. It felt like my parents are gonna hate this, so I, I'm gonna love it. You know, I gotta <laughs> love it. And it was that that vibe. So, so my my first like musical experience and getting together with friends at age 12, 13, and starting to figure out how to play in a band 
uh, we were just super grungy, like Nirvana wannabes, really. You know, I mean, that was yeah. the thing for, for a couple of years. And um, I had a friend that I grew up with a couple of years younger than me. Our, our fathers were, were business partners and um, I had already started. So now fast forward, I'm like 16, 17 years old. Um, and I had started working summers at my dad's car dealership. Um, and so and then and Scott, my buddy, who was a couple of years younger than me, uh, he that that summer, whether I think it was probably summer 96, he started working there because he was old enough now he was 14 or whatever so he starts working the summers and we're hanging out all the time and sneaking off to smoke cigarettes you know like <laughs> with a, like hiding from the cameras so our dads don't see it, you know what i mean it was it was great uh, good good summer times you know in florida summer time but um so one day scott was like hey man you should come hang at my house for, for my, my band like my band's practice and i'm like yeah that'd, that'd be awesome so the first time i ever heard that beat like the no effects. Yeah. Yes. The first time I ever heard that was in Scott Shad's bonus room at inspection 12 practice in the summer of 1996. And I still live also, by the way, first time I ever heard that beat was lot was watching a live band play it. And they were good, dude, this, this band inspection 12, um, for being 15 and 16 year old kids, they, they were <laughs> a good band in our hometown. Um, and, and they were all up in the like lag wagon, no effects, melodic, yeah. you know, skate punk thing already. Yeah. And so that was it. It just changed. I was like, Oh my God, I want all of this. I want to, I want to soak up as much of this as I can. So Scott gave me uh, no use for a name, let's carne and propaganda, how to clean everything. Fuck those were yeah. my first two. Those were my first two like punk records that I ever heard. Awesome. Um, so I started wearing those out and then, you know, I just went down the rabbit hole with everyone else and every fat records release, every epitaph yep. records release, every yep. tooth and nail record release, every show, every band coming through. It was really a big shift for me, uh, musically in, in my life that year when I was 16. And so, um, that's where I, you know, I started playing in a band in high school that was sounded more like that. And, 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 um, that, those are all the things that led me to be in yellow card. Cause I started playing shows with bands like inspection 12 and yellow card around town and got to be friends with those dudes. And, you know, I never stopped writing songs. We, I went out, like you said, I did Craig's brother after high school. Um, and then I went back to the university for a minute and I was already playing with another group of guys there at Florida state university where I went for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the dudes would come and hang and party on the weekends and stuff, the yellow card guys. And that, that's really how that evolved. It was like, they were like, dude, you're still writing good songs and we're going to need, you know, we need a guitar. It started out as we need a guitar player. I wasn't originally going to be singing yeah. with them. And it yeah. was also going to be like a weekend thing, like coming home from school and playing on the weekends in Jacksonville. But that all escalated very quickly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so that, that, that's, but the moral of the story is that, that skate punk uh, sound, you know, I owe to my friend. Oh, yeah. um, and and so, so much of my role in Yellow Card, I owe to my friend, Scott Shad, who I, I would be remiss if I didn't say he, he passed away in 2001. He, yeah. he had, um, juvenile diabetes and, and he uh had a car accident in, a, in like a, a diabetic shock you know and uh, uh so that we there's a lot of yellow card material that was written for scotty and and he was you know he was a big part of my life growing up and yeah. and, and i think he you know he he died right sort of at the dawn of of the yellow card california experience i mean we everyone got out there in like mid-february of 2001 and he passed in march so it was like this time of of being affected at a very young age by a very heavy loss. You know, all of us knew him very well. It wasn't just like an acquaintance. He was like a yeah. staple in the scene back home. And he was just a dear friend. Everyone was a, he was the most badass kid who was such, such a positive kid and incredible drummer. He, he, he played everything. Um, so anyways, that, I think it was very motivating is what I'm trying to say for yellow card. When yeah. Scott died, 
yeah. uh, to, to turn it into something positive. I think it really charged us as a band. Yeah, that's that's great. No, um, yeah, I was I was gonna say before you told the story about your friend, and I'm sorry to hear that. Um, was just the skate punk and the the fast beat, the double time beat. I was so obsessed with with it and that kind of music that I like didn't listen to anything that didn't wasn't fast for years. Yeah, like, I remember I, even with I, Lagwagon, I didn't quite like, have that. like I remember even with Lagwagon, like um, two of their like big songs are you know like Know It All and Angry Days. They're like two of yep. the slower songs and yeah. i was like nah fuck those i'm like, skipping skip them. them skip yeah. them i want the fast shit you know and <laughs> so it's it's really funny so if, if you ever have time and I, you probably won't and you want to start a skate punk band with me dude uh dude, let's do you're it putting this out you're putting this out in the this world this is in I, the world yeah i'm, I'm okay, putting you on the spot well, i will 100 percent. i'm in i'm in i'm not opposed and, and Josh Fortman from Yellow Card is 100% would be in as all well. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, can, um, I can play guitar, sing, bass, whatever you need. I got, yeah, I got cool. it. I got some Dude, leftovers. I, I, I got some leftover songs from my skate punk days. They're pretty good. So I would be down. I would be down to explore <laughs> that. I'll tell you one thing for sure that we can get someone to put it out. I know that. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we get the songs recorded, we can. Someone can. Someone will be all over that. Yeah, so, maybe but, they'll yeah. even let us yeah, play yeah, at sure, the fest. Who knows? Right. I'm into it. Let's do it. Um, I, I, you know, when I got into it, I was very into it for sure. But I still, I like to think at least, um, I had a somewhat like broad kind of palette for music, even, yeah. even back then. Like I, I was still listening to for every, uh, every no effects record I was listening to, I was still listening to, to Radiohead records right. too. It's like, I, I was really all over the map and, and I've been all over the map as a songwriter, I think through my career. And I think yeah. that's why it's because as I, the way I was raised in music was just so like, Oh, today Madonna's huge. Well, tomorrow InSync is huge. Tomorrow, you know, like just like as a kid. Well, I guess InSync was a little after my time, but but like, <laughs> dude, go all the way back uh, to like New Kids on the Block. Even I would yeah. say, like, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was an eight year old kid, and they were all over MTV, and yeah. nobody was telling me that it wasn't cool. So um, I'm not even <laughs> saying that it wasn't cool. I'm just saying that like I was so like, and then and then, and then like when the '80s kind of like late '80s, you know, early '90s. Uh, just before Nirvana, like when the um, when like Guns and Roses and yeah. and and yeah. all that stuff was just like crushing, on, you know, on the radio and everything like that. Then I worshipped that, you know. It was like so. So throughout the years, I just have been like I think so all over the map with the stuff I like and and the stuff that that turns me on musically. That totally. it's definitely crept into my own songwriting. Oh, totally. And, kind of- and you, I mean, you don't hear a lot of like with my music. You don't hear a lot of skate punk influence. Although we do have some double time songs. Um, but yeah. you know, it, it's, it's true. Like, I think I, you get to some point where like for me, I was like, you know, 16, 17, 18 and like, was like, nope, punk rock. It's, it's all music is inferior to punk rock. It's all I want to play. And then, then you're like, then you hear like the get up kids and you hear like some of that, that other yeah. stuff and you're like, wait a second, yeah. there's more out there. Maybe same. I am too close minded, you know, get up kids, lifetime, that whole totally man. Northeast Jersey yep. kind of movement thing that, that was another shift for me too. Yep. Like I, yep. uh, th- there was a bit, a long period where that was like the, the style of kind of punk rock that I was like exclusively attracted to. Oh, um, man, the I first... kind of put, I put like my Sorry. lag wagon and no effects records on the shelf and, and was just only listening to saves a day in my time, you know? I know. So like can't slow down uh, and oh, Jersey's best dude. dancers. Like those records changed my life completely. Yeah. yeah. So good, man. Like just, it was such a different, it, it, it was familiar because of the, the beats and the, the way, you know, the guitar harmonies and palm mutes and all the stuff that goes into that music. But it was so different from the kind of the West coast, like yeah. warp tour skate punk thing that it just was like refreshing. I don't know. I, I, exactly. I loved it. 
Exactly, man. Loved it. Exactly. Okay, so Ryan and I are starting a skate punk band. That's uh, that's happening. Yeah. Um, GBD. <laughs> speaking of speaking of um, saves the day, and I understand that you and Aaron, when you were in the studio recording both your EPs, you had a you had a mantra that was no parents, no rules. Uh, yeah, that, that got said a lot. I have a no that's parents, no rules tattoo actually. Wow, dude, <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's a rune saying. I can't take credit. It's a rune saying. But he but once the once it was established, it was. It was said very often because uh, we kind of touched on this, like how the, these, this kind of like um, different side of, of, of my musical influence, like wasn't able to really be flushed out in full on a yellow card record. It yeah. just, you know, wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have made sense. So the idea that we are kind of free to do as we wish, you know, on every aspect of the recording, um, it was just, I don't know. It, it was really, really liberating in a lot of ways. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, we do. We just, we, we would like, both of the EPs really got like, wherever we were at that day and how we were feeling, what we would write, we were recording it kind of as we went. I didn't, I didn't go into either session with like, okay, here's five songs. Let me sit down and play them for you. Um, we, we would go with like, like, okay, that sounds cool. Jump in and record it, you know? And then I'd write a lyric and I'd jump in and sing it. Like it was it was a very different style of recording than I've ever done, writing recording than yeah, I've ever because, done before. Yeah, I feel like Yellow Card is one of those bands very like, like everything's to a grid, everything's super slick, you know, yeah. like every line has yeah. been calculated, every vocal performance, you know what you're going to do. Whereas yeah. with your solo stuff, it's there's a lot more, um, I don't know, it's kind of like digital versus analog in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, a lot more absolutely. expressive. Absolutely, and that's why I brought Arun on board is I, right. I, I, wanted, I wanted his his like analog flavor as a, as a, as a co-producer and mixer. I, I, and I, and I think he delivered in a big way. I mean, so much of what I read about, um, both EPs review wise. And, and by the way, on that front, I, I'm like, I was just so like moved and humbled and blown away. Like the response that both of these records got, um, from a critical standpoint right, was right. beyond my wildest dreams, you know, like, and, and so many places that like for possible, you know, potentially wouldn't have reviewed yellow card because either it didn't make sense for their, you know, their publication or it's just like, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's not in that indie, indie rock world. And so I got a lot of these reviews from places that were new. Um, and one of the things that they talked about a lot was this, the sonics of the, the album and like the, the basically exactly what we're talking about, just like yeah. how, um, you know, how, kind of rough around the edges it feels in a good way and i that's something that was very deliberate throughout the process of recording was to make sure that it it was a little a little sloppy in a good way you know awesome. what i mean like yeah. just yeah. had a little bit of that grit and dirt all over it and I, love, I think it i love it yeah i love it um so you're turning 40 this year sorry, yeah. sorry to put you on blast it's a big milestone for everybody but i know for you you treat kind of each decade a little bit differently because you're born, you know, right yeah. before the start of each one, right? You're born. Yep. Is, is that right? Um, yeah, I was born two weeks before 1980. So I have every, every decade of my life is round, you know, 80 to 90, 90 to 2000. Like exactly. That. So, so how do you feel about yeah. 2020? Um, I, I feel like, uh, there's so much good happening in, in my world and, um, so much opportunity ahead of me and 
when I gave you that long gro- groaning sigh when you mentioned that I'm turning 40 this year. <laughs> well, you don't look it's, 40 at all. It's in, it's in, thanks, you don't look a day over 30. That's, that's, thanks mom and dad. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's in jest that I do that. Um, because you know, I think we've, a lot of stuff we've talked about throughout this whole like hang was I, I'm not living like I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not letting my, my brain tell my body that I'm 40. Like I'm still (laughs) just trying to charge it as hard as I can because this is the time, man. You know, it's like, like, do, do I wish that I was starting a new project at 25 instead of, you know, when I started it last year at at 38? Yeah, that would have been, would have been nice and easier in the, in the van on my, on my back, you know, but, (laughs) um, but, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, this is, I feel like this is my time and, and I feel, I still feel young and I still feel yeah. full of en- energy and, and drive. And as long as I have that, I'm, I want to take advantage of it to the absolute fullest. You know, I want to, every opportunity I get to go anywhere in the world, I'm going to take it. And because one day, I, you know, when this conversation is you're turning 60 to, this year, it's, <laughs> we're not, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do that like anymore. And I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I love traveling and I love music and I'm still getting to do both of those things at a very high level. So, yeah. um, I don't, I don't see myself slowing down at all. If anything, I think 2020 is just going to be like an even crazier, busier year. I mean, I'll have, you know, I'm going to put out a full length record next year. Um, I'm going to probably have two newfound glory tours to do playing guitar with them and, cool. um, and then, you know, touring on my own to support my record as well. So it's like, I already know it's going to be a crazy busy year and, and that, you know, it makes me really happy. I mean, that, that's the thing that after yellow card, we talked about that a little bit too, just kind of the fear of like what happens next. Yeah. Um, you look ahead to the next year and you're like, I, I keep looking ahead. I'm like, so, so last year, 2018, it turned out to be a, a really great year for me personally, professionally, you know, financially, it was all, it was a very good year. I felt like a lot was accomplished and a lot of positive results uh, happened and, and so, but then you go like, well, yeah, but how am I going to do this again without, without yellow card? You know, yeah. like, how am I going to rep, like re- reproduce this again next year? Like piecing all this together, this tour, that tour that, you know, this little acoustic show, this emo night performance, this, um, you know, producing this record in Japan, these things, it's like, but then the opportunities just keep coming and, and you go, all right. So it's like, you, you know, I'm halfway through 19 now. And it's been, it's already been an incredible year. And I, wow. Yeah. So it's like, so, so I feel like hopefully, you know, I don't know if I want that to go away, that feeling of like, well, shit, how am I going to do this next year? Cause I think it's like kind of motivating, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's also like, if, if they, if, if the next few years continue to, to progress the way the last couple have, then I think at some point it will, you know, settle in and there won't be that like, gritting of teeth of like, how am I going right. to do this again next year? Um, <laughs> right, man. so I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, most important thing for next year is, is putting out my first full length record and see, you know, seeing where that takes yeah. this, this project. And that's the one that people are going to notice. So it's, uh, you got to put a lot of work into that. I'm sure. Are you going to work with Arun again for that? Uh, probably. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, there's like no, no plans as far as what, what's going to happen. So I, I have a really, really great studio recording studio set up here in, in Nashville. Um, it's, but it's like kind of the second floor of my house is the suit is like all studio okay. space. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be moving at some point this year. I'm selling my house here and blah, 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 all that. So I'm, I'm staying in Nashville, but I'm just going to be relocating in, within the city. So we don't have like a set plan yet. Cause I'm going to have to get the studio all rewired, reset up and, and, you know, figure out where I'm going and that kind of stuff. So, all right. um, 
once that's all settled though i think like january february recording is probably what we're looking at if we can make it make it happen awesome. and then yeah so uh it'll be here before you know it dude i know and i'll be 40 <laughs> uh well you called the other record 13 you can call that one 40 yeah, yeah, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so, do you remember the song we did together? The Stay Posse uh, song? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been many years now. It's been many yes. years, but it's funny because we never actually, like, spoke about it. Um, we never, like, no, met it was, up. It, it was, was It was so all weird. a transfer of file. It was, yes. it was so uh, back to like what we started that's, that's a great way to kind of like bring this in at the end because we started talking about like the digital age yeah. beginning of this like that recording was the most di- digital like 2000 and whatever year it was like yeah, 2010 i think um yeah it was so it was like here you we'll email you the song you sing it and email it back to it like the future man that's the future I know it was so weird. It was just it was the fact that I never spoke to you. Like I never was like, "Hey, man! Like this is the song, and it's about this." And like if you could kind of do this, it was literally just like we never con- had any contact. Why? Why, why was that? Though? I don't, I don't know. understand. I don't, it was. It was I think for for it was really weird because the the song kind of got lost in the shuffle too, which I'm sort of sad about because I thought it was kind of a fun song. But yeah. um, it was it was it was on one of those hopeless records, um, hopelessly devoted to you or take action comps or something like that. So, so like, you know, cause back in the day comps were huge, right? Like, you know, all the fat records comps we talk about, you know, epitaph and all those labels. So this was kind of the end of that era where comps weren't a thing anymore. So this ended up being track one on the comp. Yeah. You just make playlists now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But this was kind of like the era where it was still sort of working, but it got lost in the shuffle and it's too bad. Um, but I think hopeless needed it. Like they needed it before, they needed the rest of our record right you know for a deadline so we were like scrambling to to get to get you know to get it done and everything so that's what happened but well, i'm gonna play it i'm gonna play the song at the end of the episode so people can check it out um with yeah, our, cool. our, and, our and, lovely voices together and none of that will matter once we start the skate punk band so I, 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 yeah no no this is not <laughs> sound anything like that come on it's gonna be way faster yeah all right. <laughs> um before i let you go i got a f- couple fan questions if you don't mind yeah, sure. Okay, um, so the, Brendan Potter asks, uh, he has a lot of questions about Big If. Okay. Uh, when the yellow card went on, on hiatus, he started Big If, and it was phenomenal. Some of those songs actually made their way on the next yellow card album when they got back together. Um, he was excited to... Sorry, I should have read this first. That's right. <laughs> uh, I was, he was excited to no possibly parents, no get, get Big If back. Um why did he start his solo stuff instead of doing something like Big If again? And is it is is Big If ever a possibility again? Big If is such a weird thing to insert as a name, by the way, when you're reading. But go on. Yeah. Um, okay. So so that was a project that I started with um, one of my like longest, closest, lifelong friends, um, who I met through Craig's brother, actually. Oh yeah. Um, my friend Sean O'Donnell was the like w- one of the songwriters and, and guitar player for another another Truth and Nail band called Dogwood. Um, that was, if you, I mean, if you like that beat, you need to go listen to those old dogwood <laughs> records. Cause it's like the fastest, gnarliest nonstop. Um, they, they had some really cool songs, but on the, on the last couple the like the newer record they made, they, they had some ripping songs, but, um, anyways, Craig's brother toured with them in 2000 or sorry, in 1999, uh, that summer and, uh, through the label and stuff. So I met Sean, we stayed friends. And then we stayed like really close friends. 
and he had a band called Reeve Oliver that also is oh, yeah. an incredible band. Yeah. Uh, that got, that got signed to Capitol shortly after we did and never panned out, but, but amazing band. He's just such a good songwriter. So I loved Reeve and I was really on the team of like helping them get going and like introducing them to Capitol and all that stuff. And then when the band took a break, we, he wasn't playing with Reeve anymore and we'd always wanted to do something together musically more me, I think, than him. I don't know if he would uh, agree or whatever, but I was such a fanboy of, of his song and, like, his voice. And so, it was like, I was stoked to record some stuff with you. And that was it. We were just going to write, record some stuff, and see what it turned into. And it did get a little traction. Like, I had a couple of people in, like, in the business, you know, that heard some of the songs and were like, this is great. We should definitely keep keep going, keep writing. And that kept us going. And so we kept, like, writing and demoing more songs. And we kind of, you know, we started a – MySpace was still a thing. Yeah. So we had a had a page, you know, with some of the songs on it, and we never even had any real drums recorded though. We we programmed all the drums and Ryan yeah. and just mix, mixed them in to sound pretty legit, honestly. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we we just started this thing, and it was really about just the, our friendship, I think, though, in the end. And yeah. you know, we had an amazing time writing and working. Ryan worked with us a lot on it too. Ryan from Yellow Card, and um, and so whether it, I don't see it being something that comes back again. Um, Sean's got three kids now and he's, uh, he's really happy and in, in, in an amazing place in his life. And, um, we've talked about doing in the, the same way that you and I kind of just like, Oh yeah, let's do that. Uh, we've talked about doing like a full on like pumpkin style nineties kind of cool. alternative grunge project. Like we've always wanted to do that as well. So we've talked about maybe just doing that for fun too, but you know, man, it's just so much going on. It's, tough to find the time when we live on the opposite coast and stuff but it sure is love sean and he has sean has a um i'll give a little plug here sean has a solo record called spirit junkie that's amazing that he put out um a year year and a half ago something like that um and he got to be on the he actually played uh, the final yellow card shows with us opening up uh, solo oh, cool. so very cool check out his record spirit junkie it's awesome all right spirit junkie i will uh, and they will too. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, anything else to tell the people? Anything else to add? I know you got a tour coming up. Um, I am head, yeah, but this tour that I'm about to go on is going to be the the most carefree, low stress environment on the road I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, I'm playing guitar with Newfound Glory for 90 minutes a night, and that's it. That's that's my responsibility. So I get a tour bus. You know, I get hotels on days off and right. I get, get to play for 2000 people a night or whatever it's going to be. And, and like, that's my only responsibility. So after the, the gauntlet we discussed, um, <laughs> it's a vacation. I am, I am very excited to just get on the bus with my buds and relax and have fun playing guitar, you know? Um, so we leave for England, uh, next weekend for a slam dunk festival. And then we're out until like July 14th and then, uh, and then I don't know what happens after that. I'm going to Sweden for a good friend's wedding right after the tour ends and then uh, get back here and I thought figure you had, out what the, what I thought the next you had some move shows. is. I had some shows in the summer oh, here. I'm looking at them I right did. now. You know what? I did, and I just announced them. And I'm, yeah. I, it's, it's What time is it in Japan right now? My brain is not functioning at full <laughs> About 12 capacity. hours, I yes. know. Yeah, so I have um, I just announced a week of shows and uh, like running up from North Carolina through the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're we're doing we're doing kind of a cool thing that is going to tie into the full length as well on the, on the tour, which I haven't really I don't have all the details yet, so I can't I can't like describe it to you. But I would say like anyone who's in the area, check the date, come to the shows um, because it's going to be it's going to be a vibe for sure. Cool. Really Very cool. cool. And Very I'm, cool. I'm going to play both uh, 
I'm going to play both EPs in full um, at, on those shows. It'll be a little different than the last tour. Um, like, I think I'm just going to start with the first song and play through to the last song, and that's kind of going to be the show. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that. And um, and then after those shows, uh, I'm pretty pretty open to, um, I think there may be some more newfound stuff later in the year, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So. Awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome, man. Busy, busy. Busy, busy, but I love it, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and um, all the best, man. So just let me know yeah. when uh, when to send over some yeah. demos for our band, okay? Okay, yeah. Well, we just need to figure out when, when we should get together for practice. Perfect. But I'll, I will, I'll figure it out and I'll let you know. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. All right, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Thank Cheers. you. So there it is with Ryan Key. And I want to thank him so much for taking time out of his gauntlet of a schedule to speak with me and also consider starting a punk band with me. Hey, you never know, right? Things like this have happened in stranger ways. But I do want to thank you for tuning in to this, listening to this, listening to all the other episodes of the podcast you've listened to, for checking it out, for subscribing, for telling a friend, for telling a loved one, for joining the All Access Club, whatever it is you're doing to help me out in any way, it really does mean a lot. So yes, we have another great guest next week. I don't want to spill the beans on this one because I haven't recorded it yet and sometimes things happen, but we have another big guest next week. So please make sure you do check it out. And um, and really, it just warms my heart that I'm able to do this show. What is it? Three and a half years later, blows my mind. And it really is so much fun for me to bring this to you every single week. So I'm going to play the song that Ryan and I did together. It's a Silverstein B-side. It's called Stay Posy. But first, I got to play you some William Ryan Key solo material. And first of all, check out his stuff. Whether you're a fan of Yellow Card or not, it really doesn't matter because these are just great tunes. So I'm going to play the banger, the Silverstein banger later. But here is a William Ryan Key solo track. It's called Downtown. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. You just appeared A sweet apparition When I was so sure What I had become We dressed in black Went out on the water Sky was on fire And I was undone I'll be waiting downtown Hoping you do me in Sirens singing with me While I lose you again I may be tired all these years Lost in love But I'll be waiting downtown while you leave just enough Leave too much more and I'll stay up north Walking you home, you stopped on the corner Reached out your arms Flew off in the night I've had some smoke And mirrors around me 
never been lost like I get in your eyes I get in your eyes I'll be waiting downtown hoping you tune me in siren singing with me while I lose you again Lost in love But I'll be waiting downtown While you leave Just enough Leave too much more And I'll stay up north Downtown by William Ryan Key. And before I play the Silverstein-Ryan Key collab song, I want to reflect back on my memory of this. We talk a little bit about it in the podcast, and I think what I said was mostly correct, but we had just signed to Hopeless Records, and they wanted us to be, you know, their big splash, their big new band, and they had the Take Action comp coming out, and they wanted us to be the first song. And they'd had, you know, some success, but they wanted it to be a song that wasn't available anywhere else, you know, an exclusive track. So, we had a bunch of songs we were recording for our album Rescue, and we thought this song maybe didn't quite fit with the rest. You'll hear it. It's a little bit poppy for us. And I had the idea to make this song kind of a duet, you know, with two different lead vocalists in the song. And I remember asking so many people if they were down to do this song. And I don't want to name names, but so many people ended up flaking. And it was getting later and it was getting later and somebody couldn't do it and someone else's label said they couldn't do it. And I don't remember where it came from, but somebody was like, Yo, you should just ask Ryan from Yellow Card to do it. I think he'd be into it. And I was like, Ryan from Yellow Card? Like, he's huge. Like, there's no way he's just going to want to do this. Like, I don't know him. So he was like, oh, no, I got his manager's contact. Let me get in touch. Literally, like, three days later, he sent over the song and it was done. And I was like, that is a pro, man, right there. 
And then like nine years later, we're speaking on the phone. Never met him before until today. So it is really funny how this stuff can work in the music industry. But shout out to Ryan Key for being the man. Here it is. Stay posy on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. The city never sleeps Just like you and me We're saying whoa